You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Hello everyone, and welcome to our service. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we are Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church, part of an international communion of churches that celebrate God's love for all people. For the first time in six months, we are able to come together in the grounds of Ushaw College, just outside Durham. For those of you who can't be with us, we know you are with us in spirit, and we are with you spiritually in your homes. And collectively, we are united in the love of God. I think we have all come to a deeper appreciation of one another and what we have at Northern Lights over the last months. It's why it's such a joy for so many of us to be here today in fellowship. But we also gather to welcome seven people into full membership of our church. And so together, let us pray. Almighty God and Creator, you call us to a life of love and of faith. Gathered together as the people your Son want for you, we rejoice in the gifts you bestow upon us. As we celebrate the commitment of those coming into membership, deepen our faith and our desire to follow the way your Son showed us ever more closely. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our readings today reflect the call to discipleship offered to all people of faith. I'm going to ask Emma to come out and lead us in our first reading. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. 
earth has yielded its increase, God, our God has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. This is the word of the Lord. In our gospel reading given to us by Abby, we'll now hear how a woman's faith challenges Jesus and persuades him to reach out and offer healing beyond his focus and beyond his ministry. I am reading from the book of Matthew 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a de demon, but he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and heard him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yes, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fell from their masters, from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, Woman, great is your fate. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. May the Lord bless his reading. Thanks be to God. Hello, let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the faith in all our hearts be found pleasing in your sight, O God. Amen. I have a question for you. Have you ever been bullied? Did you know why? Did one of the bullies or their supporters have the courage to tell you what it was that made them need to hurt you physically or psychologically. I was bullied at primary school. In my case, I was sent to Coventry, uh, which is a phrase meaning that everyone stops speaking to you. And every time you open your mouth to say anything, they turn their backs. I was 10 years old when my father died completely unexpectedly and we had to move back to live in my mother's former hometown in Kent. And I had to leave behind everything that was familiar. At my new school, in the last term of my primary education, I was a latecomer. I was a stranger. I was an outsider. My old school had been very small. It was a gentle and kind place to be compared to the school in Kent, where they did things very differently. In Kent, corporal punishment, that is, where teachers are allowed to hit children to maintain discipline, was commonplace. But to the children themselves, any kind of difference was not acceptable. Any sign of weakness would be played upon, 
and I couldn't understand what was happening and no one explained. They just punished me for being an outsider and for being different. Now, of course, I can look back and see it differently. In my experience, I've learned that people often criticise, even savage, people who openly and happily express what they are frightened of in themselves. They can project onto them the causes of their own fear. So, for example, I have met people who are most virulent critics and even violent towards LGBT plus people. When I talk to them, I discover, and it becomes very apparent, that they were anxious. Underneath, they felt inadequate, with poor self-esteem. In the case of religious discrimination, it can also involve a self-righteous sense of superiority. For some people, difference means danger, which must be nipped in the bud. Conformity among children is classic behaviour, but in some instances, anyone who steps out of line, who believes or acts differently, has to be punished to ensure that they revert to becoming just like everyone else. Safety in numbers, you see. So no one is threatened by possible difference or change. But the people featured in our gospel were adults, not children. They were secure in their racial and ethnic identity. So why did they treat the Canaanite woman so badly? In another gospel, she's called the Syrophoenician woman, um, but it is the same person. It's just a different geographical name. They treated her badly because she was a Gentile. To a Jewish person, any non-Jewish person is called a Gentile, which includes all of us here. This exclusion of Gentiles in Israel in those times was cruel and ultimately self-defeating if Jesus's ministry uh, was intended to reach to the furthest corners of the earth, but it was understandable in the light of history. God named the Jews as the chosen people, those who would carry knowledge of God's divine blessing to the world. And they took this title very seriously. And every national success was put down to the light of God's favour. Sadly, Gentiles in those days were also called dogs by the Jewish people of the time. A reference made clear in Jesus' initial comments to the Canaanite woman. But elsewhere in this gospel, Jesus cures the servant of a centurion another Gentile. And why? Because he showed a, a far greater faith in Jesus than many of the Jews, including his disciples. My experience in primary school in Kent <clears throat> is played out in the gospel because Jesus simply ignores the woman's first approach. He sends her to Coventry because she too is an outsider. She's not a Jew, not one of the chosen. Never mind that she's driven crazy with anxiety about the condition of her daughter who needed Jesus to heal her. How could he do that? Did he not realize that he was sent not just to the people of Israel, that the whole world needed him? 
clearly not at that point. So how do we convince these wonderful people preparing themselves for full membership of our Christian community that Jesus is for all of us and for all time? When he treats an outsider like the Canaanite woman as though she is little better than a dog, should they be expected to accept a second-class citizenship of the worldwide Christian community? No, of course not. God's plan for salvation includes all people. As Isaiah, in our first reading, made clear six whole centuries before Jesus even walked the earth. But one nation needed to be chosen to be the source, the beginning, and to, to begin the whole process of this worldwide movement. God chose Israel to be the body of people who would carry the divine message forward into the future, who would eventually harbour the Messiah, the Son of God, who would teach his disciples and for them to carry the message to the wider world from their generation onwards to all people in every nation. But as St Paul later reluctantly admitted, Israel failed. Throughout history, they'd ignored the warnings of the prophets and instead became bound up in rules and the minutiae of legislating for every daily action, clinging to the idea of ritual purity in the mistaken belief that this was what God found pleasing. They ultimately failed to absorb the message of Jesus and in fear, they rejected both his message and him personally as Israel's Messiah, leaving the Romans then free to cut short the life of this troublesome Jew. But back to our gospel. The Canaanite woman would have surprised Jesus, not only because she had left her own district to seek him out, but because she recognised his stature and his kingship and his mission from the outset. She believed in him. She called him Lord and Son of David, thus recognising his inheritance and his kingship. Her faith preceded any action on his part. It was though she had a special knowledge, but actually she had faith. So why did he ignore her? because at that point he still believed that he was sent exclusively to the people of Israel and he eventually tells her as much. Even when the disciples asked Jesus to send her away, bullying her to stop her supplications and shouting, she remained persistent. She ignored Jesus's response to her because of her overwhelming concern for her daughter and that she had utter faith in his power to heal the child and which she had to draw on to save her. She didn't care about how it looked or what anyone thought. She was going to pull out all the stops to get help for her child. And good mothers are generally like that. She kept on and on until he admitted what he believed his mission was about, salvation for Israel, 
described as food for the children. When she came back quick as a flash, saying that if crumbs fall from the table, that even the so-called dogs may feed on them, Jesus realised both the depth of her faith and the truth of her words, and it taught him a sharp lesson, but one he needed to learn. She taught him that his mission had to encompass the world outside Israel if God's salvation was to become available to all of creation. It couldn't remain the preserve of Israel, especially as the structures and beliefs of Israel had moved so far away from the commitment to love and service which characterised Jesus' teaching. Gentiles, foreigners, had to be included. And as Jesus was learning, the faith of Gentiles could be just as potent and deep and enduring as that of Israel. In this woman and in the centurion even more so. Jesus always listened to women, unlike most men of his generation in Israel. Indeed, he taught them alongside men at a time when women were not permitted to learn the scriptures. By listening to the Canaanite woman and answering her plea for her little girl, he was making her a part of his community of faith. He was bringing her home, drawing her, a foreign woman, into his ministry, giving her the benefits of faith in him and his ability to heal, and into what would become centuries later a worldwide church. So where do we fit in relation to this gospel? At Northern Lights MCC, people come to us to find Jesus and to live the Christian life in his company. And we treasure them. Not because we're afraid of difference, no, because we are not afraid of difference. We welcome people who can be themselves, however this manifests itself. We are not afraid of so-called foreigners, people outside of our faith or nationality, because we know for certain that we are all part of God's family. We will never turn anyone away, whatever they have been or done or because they are demanding or because they make a lot of noise. We will always try and listen and to fully hear what lies at the heart of their needs and their desires. We may not be able to directly heal because we are not Jesus. We cannot cure people, but we will join our prayers and our urgent supplications together and like the Canaanite woman, we will entreat our gracious Lord to look kindly upon those among us who are suffering. To those who are becoming members of Northern Lights MCC, you and every person deserves a spiritual home, a home filled with faith that is irresistible, in the love of God which is immeasurable, 
and in the company of other faithful Christians who will love you with Christ's love and embrace you in the name of the Holy Trinity. Our Creator, our Son and our Holy Spirit. And this is our promise. All glory to you, Creator of all, Jesus the Christ and Spirit of life, as in the beginning is today and for eternity. Amen. There's a response to these prayers, which is, O oh God, graciously hear us. So when I say, O oh God, graciously hear us, can you repeat that? O oh God, graciously hear us. O oh God, graciously hear us. We light a candle to mark our commitment to those who suffer from HIV AIDS, wherever they live around the world, whether they are personally affected or are the children of sufferers or members of sufferers' wider families and societies. Gracious God, we pray for those who have been admitted today to membership of the Metropolitan Community Church. Abby, Anna, Anna, Emma, Javid, Keith and Kevin. May they find their deepening involvement to be a nurturing and fulfilling experience. May the life and ministry of the church benefit from their membership. And may those who are already members recognize and welcome the blessings they bring. O oh God, graciously hear us. Compassionate God, we pray for the people of Beirut especially those bereaved, injured, or made homeless or unemployed by the explosion there. We remember before you those trying to bring order out of chaos, those bringing food for all of Lebanon, and we remember the various national and international bodies that are seeking just and honest ways of governing the country. O oh God, graciously hear us. Loving God, we pray for all who are in any sort of distress, including those in our intercessions book. We remember people who are ill in mind or body, especially at this time Fiona in hospital, and those who are bereaved, suffering, suffering relationship difficulties, uncertain about their identity, unemployed, homeless, or feeling discarded. We remember our neighbours in prison and those who have offended, people who carry feelings of guilt, those who are lonely. O oh God, graciously hear us. Oh God, graciously hear us. Righteous God, we pray for those amongst us who are seeking asylum in this country, that they may experience compassion and justice at the hands of the powerful and the friendship of neighbours. We remember before you the politicians who control the UK's response to those who try by dangerous means 
to reach this country. May they not be swept along by ignorance or populism. O oh God, graciously hear us. Generous God, we thank you for those close to us, for the good things of life, and for our own gifts and skills. We pray for help in treating all these unselfishly, for freedom from hypocrisy, and for help in following Jesus Christ in doing justice, loving tenderly, and walking humbly with you, our God. And we thank you for those who have meant much to us in their time, but whom we see no longer. O oh God, graciously hear us. Thinking of this life and the next, we pray the prayer which Jesus taught his followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And so together we come finally to our grace and so if we as for the first time in six months can actually look at each other and celebrate and share that grace in love may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all evermore amen go in the peace of the lord jesus christ thanks be to god thanks everyone Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.